0: Hi, welcome to another weekly news about the Azure uh, and another podcast on Azure centric. As usual, we would like to start our podcast, our weekly podcast to thank you, in this case for all your support, to don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to just basically tell us what you like and don't like. And um, just be able to just be here with my good friend, uh, Andrew. It's our (laughs) weekly highlight. I'm looking forward to this all the time. I know that sounds repetitive every single week, but for us, it's truly our we even match today. This is not intentional. I just we want didn't to say
1: coordinate. It was just by chance. By it's chance, fantastic. Exactly. I love it. See, great minds think alike, right? Exactly that, <laughs> exactly that. So, so
0: yeah. So we have a very good uh, plan for today. Uh, we are at the end of um, January, so uh, it's been a good week, at least regarding work. A lot of a lot of good things, and apparently on Azure side of it. It's been another good week, so we have a fully good agenda for today, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of really good things that have been coming out. Um, I know I'm waiting to hear uh, for a few of the updates. I really want to hear some of the details uh, from your view, and that's going to be really exciting. I mean, I I know I think that about uh, that every week, <laughs> but uh, it really is true. Yes, <laughs> it does. It does. It does uh, kind of keep me going, right? Yeah. But yeah, so there's a there was a lot of really good uh, updates that came out this week, and we actually did uh, once again have to cut a couple of yes. really good things. Yeah. So uh, one of the things um, maybe we should do is encourage people to also go to the Microsoft uh, blog sites. yeah, and uh, you know, don't just trust us to read you everything. We don't read everything top to bottom. Uh, we can't. We'd be, uh, you know, a six-hour uh, podcast if we did that. Yes. And I don't yeah. have enough time. And, it's not,
0: to- it, and mm-hmm. it's not the purpose of this podcast that, that we are doing. What we are, well, that's right. What we are doing yeah. is we are basically comment what Microsoft did on the past week. And usually we are concentrated from Saturday to Friday. And the reason of this is we are recording this on Fridays and sometimes depending on our agenda during the weekend as well. That's right. So we try to just cover the last week and we always did since the beginning of the podcast. So the idea over here is to cover a week of updates because sometimes we have a little bit more and we can go deeper on some of those some of those announcements and some of those updates. Other times we can't Uh, to do that and 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 just bear with us because it's really difficult to for us to just doing like we don't mind to do like a three-hour podcast but then i don't think you guys will appreciate uh, that
1: i think if we were going to do three hours i'd like to see some actual demos and hands-on stuff and that's uh yeah maybe outside of the scope of weekly news yeah but uh, you know, we do. Uh, we do have other podcasts that we both do sometimes together, sometimes different ones, and uh, they do have other content. I know you publish some really great learning yeah. um, videos through your YouTube channel, and uh, the reason I say that I'm not here to advertise your channel, but, but thank you for the plug. A little, maybe a bit, right? So, <laughs> but if we're talking it's... about plug, <laughs> let me
0: press my. My awesome button, and don't forget to subscribe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love this button, my friend. It's like it's true. Yeah. So, but you you have some good learning videos, yes. and uh, not the least of which is fundamentals. And I know that there's a lot of material out there on fundamentals level uh, exams, especially for AZ 900 and Azure, but. Uh, I like yours uh, and I'm probably not impartial here. Maybe I should disclose. (laughs) (laughs) And I might be too close to the source here, folks, but uh, it's a really good uh, getting started and you have some, you know, some in a series and I think it's really good. I think it's worth mentioning. It's worth telling people that it's there. So if you have uh, a friend, a coworker, um, it's really good for people, um not even just in Azure for the first time, but new admins, right? Yes. So junior sysadmins and things like that. you go through and the way you explain things, it makes it easy to understand. Yeah. And that was one of the things that you and I have kind of the foundation of our working relationship on was you really explained things that I didn't understand in a way that I did. And uh, you know, we both know I learn a little bit differently and uh, you were able somehow to communicate uh, kind of cloud information and uh, kind of transmit the cloud knowledge over to me, right? (laughs) Yeah. All I'm saying, folks, is it's worth your time. Go over, spend spend an hour of your Sunday afternoon or something, drink a coffee, drink a beer or whatever, and uh, just enjoy some uh, Marcos Nogueira at his very best when he's teaching us <laughs> about stuff in the cloud.
0: Thank you. Enough said. <laughs> that's, that's a very good feedback. And thank you for that. Uh, and, and I have to say that they are asking us to just doing about certification as well. It's been one of most successful podcasts that we have been doing. I think okay. we are overdue with that part. Probably we can do a special uh, one about um, the new certification that are coming and all of that. Uh, we so there was a there was
1: a new one that hit um, public release yes. that uh, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but the 140 um, Windows Virtual Desktop certification, yeah. freaking cool, right? Yeah. Um, like how timely is this in our current world with the pandemic and everything, and everybody's going all these directions, not just because of pandemic, yeah. but you know, uh, you know, if you're uh, in uh, a different country right now other than Canada. And you're Canadian, it's going to be pretty tough to come home now. So you're going to have to have resources to work from where you are. Exactly. So if you didn't have those already in place, then you're going to need to get some hustle in and get moving on that. So WVD, uh, what a way to go. And now with such a, a good, strong product, Microsoft has issued a standalone expert level yeah. certification. So it's important to note. Um, I don't know the full details on it. I don't know. Uh, if they've published like the the prerequisite requirements and things, do you need like a 104 or something to qualify before you take it, or uh, on what? On top the of my is? head,
0: I don't know. I have I have to 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 consult
1: that part. Yeah. So maybe we should put that in the certification Absolutely. special. Uh, that would be smart, right? Yeah. But um, it, that's exciting news. too, not necessarily uh, related to Azure news, but kind of it's an Azure certification. Yes. Exactly. So there's a there's a lot going on um, in the Azure world. Not just uh, kind of uh, product and service related, right? Like there's a lot of support from Worldwide Learning. There's a lot of support from the whole product teams with Azure. In like in general, I know there's many, many product teams. So there's a there's like a lot of things happening to make all of these updates and all of these changes come through. But then also to teach us about the products and services so that we can deliver them really, really well to our customers. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely so let's jump to the first one generically available copy blob support over private endpoints in azure storage uh this is we starting with a very good one uh at Mm. least for me uh because now this allows you first of all to just copy from storage account to storage account uh, exactly. That is the first thing that I like about this. So you can copy and you can copy with uh, the copy blob or
1: even the our old friend AZ copy. AZ copy. That's right. So this has been a challenge up until now, yes. right? It's been difficult, not impossible, but you had to kind of be creative with your tooling to uh, get information between storage accounts, yeah. Now, generally available, you can actually do the copy blob or you can use AC copy, which means, of course, that da, 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 command line automation, yeah. right? So and now we can schedule things to move between accounts.
0: And the important part over here is if you're doing this, um, usually you are... Uh, the, the storage account is a public service, is what they call in this case the, uh, the service, right? Is... Uh, the service that that you have, and usually you're going not through your uh, internal vnet or internal network. In this case, you are able to do that, achieving internal. But the good thing exactly. about about these this update is, you can either have one private, for example, endpoint. Uh, you can copy between private endpoints, or you can copy between a private endpoint and a public one in this case that's right and the thing that that does that this does is allows you to use your vnet with secure data if you want to copy between those but it automatically sees that you are using where is the source where is the the destination and if you have permission on both it's not because it's that's a right. private endpoint that you are using for a service endpoint, right? That you Mm -hmm. need to have permission, so it's really cool.
1: Yeah, it is, yeah. So the fact that it validates uh, both the source and destination permissions um, as part of the, uh, you know, before you're allowed to copy it, that's a big deal because uh, instead of getting an error, it just simply says you don't have permission, right? And that's kind of a nice one because now you can incorporate that into scripting, for example, Mm and uh, build those nice repetitive copies. And you touched on something I think lightly that we should highlight, which was that you can keep secure data encrypted while you move this. And that's kind of a big deal, right? We've talked a lot about secure computing on this podcast and we've talked about kind of the verticals with um, finance and healthcare and retail. So uh, generally, those sectors have, um, you know, bigger requirements in general for encryption and privacy standards. And uh, I think that it's really cool that we're able to now securely move that data around. Like, really good stuff. Yeah, Yeah. small update once again, right? But uh, inside it is hiding a whole bunch of really cool little tidbits.
0: Exactly, exactly. Uh, The next one, it's kind of... um... We had to do this uh it's kind of way that microsoft announced this um and uh it just, they didn't announce it's it's an, another announcement incorporated on this blog post that they are talking about building the regionally resilient cloud service using uh azure resource manager um, so in this case it's a, a tremendous blog post that tell us a lot of good information. Uh, it's one of the pillars of the well-architected uh, uh, framework. Uh, exactly. That that we have on Azure is building the resilience. It's like like you mentioned on the videos that that I did produce on Azure Foundations. It's talking about you should design, you should architect your solution for failures. It's not because Absolutely. it's on Azure that you should like not predict, not predict, no, or not configure or not design for failures. Right. Uh, and this talks about that talks about, but it goes deeply. That talks about what you can do on it on inside the region. Because sometimes yeah, we and- talk about resilience and we talk and we have these concepts. Because this is new. This is starting to be announced on the last Ignite, okay? The resilience in this case or the increase of features regarding the resilience within the region. So meaning that the availability zones and all of that. And now we have this on the cloud services as well, right?
1: Exactly, yeah. So when we think of resiliency, often what comes to mind is globally redundant Uh, things, right? So we talk about availability groups uh, going cross-region. We talk about uh, globally redundant storage accounts. Um, So there's lots of things that we think of at a very high scale, right? But I think what, uh, and, you know, we've talked about this at length uh, just between the two of us before, just to get our brains kind of working on thinking and really orienting ourselves to build our solutions with redundancy in mind. But uh, we talk about things like the availability sets, and that's really what's coming in here, right? So availability sets, scale sets, um, and they talk in here, uh, virtual machine scale sets, yes. uh, app service, uh, Azure Kubernetes service as well, of course. And uh, I think we, uh, we're we going to give the honorable mention to the Azure service fabric, right? Yes. so. There's, uh, there's a lot to this, right? It's not just as simple as just mentioning it and then it happens. This has to be integrated into the architecture, the planning. Uh, it needs to make it into your Visio documents. It needs to make it through your business process. And it should be, and I wanna say should, uh, because it's not always a have to. It doesn't always have to be part of it, but any systems that are uh, of a classification where you need uptime and availability We should be thinking of every possible way to add redundancies to it and that's a big part of the well-architected framework right yes and Microsoft uh, and Azure you know specifically in this case um, has a lot of really great guidance in this area so this is more support for that right moving towards better resiliency yeah Absolutely. absolutely
0: and and this goes and this goes on the way that we've been Talking on this podcast, and and you can see a lot of good information about that. That is is building that resilience. Uh, resilience means that you are tolerant to failures. Um, it's it's different than high availability because that is it's. Although they can complement each other, they are not the same. Okay, because the resilience is. You are resilient to failures. You are. You have to have a failure in this case. The availability, it's again, is the way that you respond to that failure. Uh, resilience is. It's a little bit more uh, than that. You can go down, but you are coming back without, for example, losing data, losing all of that. Uh, but exactly. it could be a manual process. Uh, usually, availability we are talking about an automated process that if there is a fail we are leveraging in this case other service or we are basically coming on that service that probably the end user will never notice that the server went down resilience and that's the good thing right exactly Uh, and and it's it's mentioned it's mentioning uh uh talking about this but that is inside of this post uh one mention that we didn't talk it because we are going to mention right now that is the new azure cloud service deployment model that is in public preview okay and uh, this is the first uh on annou- oh, this case update with public preview so remember production it's not for this
1: That's right. So I actually had this conversation this week with uh, one of my clients. And um, it never ceases to amaze me that this continues to be a blind spot for really, really knowledgeable, well-experienced professionals. But I think that it's it's okay because we're all still learning. Absolutely. It's important, and I want to run through this. I know we beat this poor thing uh, really right into the ground, and I apologize if you are a repeat listener, but I'm sorry, Uh, preview items go through a process, and it includes debugging. It includes testing things that might not work in production. There's no guarantees, and if something goes sideways on you, there's no Microsoft support for whatever you've done using a preview product and that includes anything it touches
0: and so there is other thing there is no sla so if the service come right. down it comes down
1: it's just okay. too bad it it's just in preview. it's, You're it's only just supposed like
0: microsoft it. will start to be canadian and say
1: i'm sorry what well, they do yeah they're very polite i have to i have to agree <laughs> uh <laughs> So kudos to Microsoft Azure support. Um, exactly. I've never had a negative experience, actually. Uh, for the many dozens of times I've submitted tickets for weird things over the years. Absolutely. Although I these... love when you put a ticket in and then they tell you that, no, we just moved that. It's in a different spot on the blade now. <laughs> oh, okay. Then uh, oh, thank you. But, thank but you. There, there is a preview process, right? So it it's is. private preview then to public preview for a wider, uh, wider scope of testing. Yeah. And then when everything is, uh, meets all the very difficult requirements of being a general availability, then Microsoft releases it to yeah. general availability, right? But
0: yes, exactly. That's exactly that. But in this case, what I like about this deployment model is uh, this is about Azure cloud services, okay? So now, what they're introducing this deployment model is what's called extended support. I know that name is not one of the best things that Microsoft usually do, does in this case, but what they are doing is the way that you are deploying this is used to be the way that you're doing with ARM and with Azure uh, Service Manager, the ASM, mm-hmm. the old one. Okay.
1: all the older one, that's older one.
0: This one is using arm is leveraging the arm, the uh, Azure resource manager. Okay. so that's the big change is I think is one of the service that was left in this case on the new arm and was still on 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 the other one. So you will see that right now you will see the Azure cloud service as a classic. And now you will see Azure cloud services extended support. So that's a very good news because now Mm. you can base your deployments on Azure cloud services extended support. Although there are a few things that I want to mention here that there are a few things that doesn't change, okay? So you don't need to panic right now because ASM, I know that is the version one, like I like to call it of Azure and R uh, or ARM, it's a version two um, that I like to call it personally. But there are a few things that it doesn't change. So the code, uh, the defined configuration and deployment is not changing.
1: That's right. Okay. Yeah. Only the only the control plane has changed. Exactly. Right. So the, the runtime has not changed. So it's not going to, uh, they're saying at least, it's not going to break existing deployments. Exactly. Right.
0: And the components of the cloud service service definition, for example, the service config and the service package, will not change. So in this case, the .cs def, the .cs conf, conf and the .cs pack, it doesn't change. So it will maintain exactly the same regarding these Azure cloud services. Uh, the Azure guest OS will maintain the same, uh-huh. okay? So there are a few things that I highly recommend you to just going on that. So this is a very good announcement that they are doing. It's in public preview, uh, but it's it's a good announcement so we can move forward in this case on the Azure cloud services. So I highly recommend you starting to, to see that in your environment, uh, play with, and remember, this is in public preview. So uh, you have to remember that when becomes general availability, and we will cover this on our on our podcast. Uh, you probably have to redeploy everything. Okay,
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. But- it's a it's a big risk with uh, preview to GA, yeah, right? It is, um, especially when we're talking about deployment tools themselves. Like uh, you know, um, uh, Resource Manager, of course, is very integrated into that. And uh, one of the things I did notice in there is that uh, they're really trying to keep a very big emphasis on stability of existing deployments and uh, already deployed code. Uh, So that's really, really good because I know you and I both have imparted that passion to a lot of our clients about uh, ARM and using the JSON templates to build their deployments in a very repeatable and consistent fashion. So I am looking forward to yeah. that. I
0: almost I almost forgot about this because one of the benefits of this is the ARM capabilities of the role-based access control, so that you gain right. with these Azure cloud services uh, that mm-hmm. you are limited on the on the version one that is the Azure Service Manager uh, in this yeah. case because that is one of the benefits of going ARM, but. Moving on to the next updates. Now uh, we have the general availability of Azure AD Insights, extend Mm. capabilities for encryption data in transit and at rest, it's a mouthful. I'm I'm really (laughs) happy, I'm really happy not happy. I'm really happy that I was able to say that without um, coughing.
1: Yeah, that's a, it's a big one. Um, now I kind of want an apple a little bit. I'm feeling hungry, but that's okay. That's okay. That's
0: <laughs> we'll have as many apples as we want after
1: this. That, uh, uh, you know what? That is one thing I do miss about Southern Ontario is the fresh Niagara apples. Wow. Uh, that I'm going to be honest about that. Very juicy, very good apples. Anyways, moving on before this ends up about a menu discussion.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is an Azure weekly news podcast. Just to remind not you, apples,
1: if you. Please. That's yeah, true, exactly. yeah, 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 we are talking about the fruit of apples there, just to be very clear. Exactly,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not the California Southern yeah So, South,
1: South yeah, so, so uh, Azure HD Insight um, extending uh, for uh, their encryption, uh, really important, right? So, um, you know, a lot of the data at rest has had um, a very big emphasis, but now we're talking about data and transit here too. Exactly. And that's critical. So we kind of mentioned a little earlier about a wee tool called easy copy, right? And now we have ability to tra- uh, travel uh, that data, travel the data, wow, copy the data between storage accounts. <laughs> Can you tell what is on my mind right exactly. now? I'm, I'm frustrated with not being able to travel and I apologize for that. <laughs> that's okay, my friend what i like
0: what i like about this update is and we already started starting talking a few updates ago and and it's being it's being on the podcast a lot is this custom management keys so the possibility of and we started to see a lot of service that you have what's called the the environment not environment what's the name uh it's not the it's the the Azure management keys in this case that you can produce inside of, of Azure, but we starting to see the leverage of bringing from on-prem our keys. In this case, our customer management keys to encrypt all of those services. It's been exactly. a constantly in, in, in the podcast and it's been con- because Azure is being on that way. So if you have a solution that you starting to have a lot of uh, uh, investment on your HSM uh, solution. Now you can bring your debt keys to manage, but you need to be careful because if you lose those keys that you lose the service as well, right?
1: Yeah. So that's important to note, right? So you need to uh, maybe we can kind of crumble together a few of the things we've talked about even just today. Yeah. Uh, So we want to build for resiliency, yes. Right. So we want to have a backup of our of our encryption keys. Yeah. Uh, You need to appropriately secure that, one hundred percent. So you can, uh, you know, one of the big advantages of using the Microsoft managed keys is that they do have their backups, and if something happens in the infrastructure, they're able to help uh, restore effectively decrypt your data so you can uh, operate.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So that's pretty important. Um, it is. But that said, um, when you build your own structure, you bring your own keys. Um, very important to make sure you're using services like Key Vault and that you're keeping a backup copy of your keys available so that you can restore it should something happen. So, you know, we refer to these uh, in different ways to make them sound softer, challenges, a little hiccup along the road, all that kind of thing. But really what it means is your data is now encrypted and you have no access to yeah. it. Absolutely. Um, and that's the whole purpose of the system. So yeah, make sure backup, backup, backup and test restore. Yeah. So, uh, just our little, uh, maybe preach that's different. We, than, we uh,
0: almost forgot to mention one thing that you mm-hmm. mentioned the data in transit, but this data in transit encryption is through IPsec. Um, yes. And that's the part that allows you to move back and forward with all of those with all, with all of that uh, security in this case regarding this, right?
1: Uh, yeah, that's really that's a good point, right? So uh, it uses a secure tunnel, IPsec, yeah, uh, to be able to move the data, and that allows it to stay encrypted during transit. So that is really important. That's a that's a very good point.
0: Yeah. So, moving to the next one. Azure Data Factory is now available in two additional regions. So Mm -hmm. good news for the ones that they want to have some kind of, uh, or use Azure Data Factory. Now it's moving to China North 2 and South India. So now it's going to be available. And this is pretty big for them because now they can leverage all of that process of easily construct the ETL and the ELT, in this case, uh, Mm -hmm. process in this case with code free um, uh, that Azure Data Factory allows you. And it's pretty powerful in this case, right?
1: It's really powerful. So uh, as you know, in a a previous lifetime, I did a lot of uh, SQL work, a lot of database work and uh, SSIS integration uh, with the Data Factory is Bloody huge. Um, that's a big deal. So you can build very large data packages. You can uh, push a lot of the configurations, and uh, the the SQL Service Integration Service SSIS uh, that runtime really powers a lot of very big applications sure. to do all the things they do. So the different SQL components, the views, the reports, the forms, all those things that happen kind of. Uh, side to side and SQL server, those just come right forwards as part of the power of data factory. Um, really cool to see how some of the old school technology is evolving and modernizing and really uh, enabling businesses to just see and actually make sense of the huge amounts of data. I think we were talking about this, you and I, a couple weeks ago, yeah. and I don't remember if it was on our podcast or we were just chatting but it's so easy to collect the data now. Uh, it's difficult to make sense of it though. Yeah. And uh, this is one of the tools that businesses can use to help them uh, kind of sort through and organize. Yeah. Uh, data Factory, just a massive product.
0: It is. And it's one of the things that I like about this, like you said, with this integration with the SSIS, uh, because it's, it's one of the things that I always advise, especially an organization that is starting new the building there it's serverless the, and this is a serverless data integration services and that's the part that i like about this although with these two additional regions now we can use even those regions as b c d r so business continue oh my god you have to say continuity
1: it. yes and disaster recovery i apologize right.
0: uh, in this case but uh, it's,
1: it's okay. Uh, we're hand-in-hand we're hand on the uh, yeah. the funny talk today. <laughs> it's, there's no problem. <laughs> it's going to be we're a... only recording audio and video. Yeah, no so. one's going to listen
0: to this, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are okay with that.
1: So long story short, we love Data Factory and there's uh, two new regions that we can use for uh, business continuity and disaster recovery for uh, geo-redundancy in our data services. Exactly. Oh my gosh! I got all the words out. there. Oh
0: my go. god! Congratulations! <laughs> let's move to the new one. Uh, this is a very quick one. Python 3.9 is on mm. Azure Functions, and That's right. public preview. Don't forget about that. That's important. So it is. It is
1: in preview. Yeah, and as you know, I have a bit of a passion for uh, Azure Functions. Uh, lets me uh, embed my uh, nice little scripts that do all my problem solving in life yeah. for me. So. Yeah.
0: And I'm leveraging yeah. Azure Functions way more than I used, yeah. because I want to automate some of those manual process that I have. And mm-hmm. i I'm, sometimes I'm switching be, between powered apps, for example, um, and Azure Function because Azure Function, it's it's more hard code, right? It's like it is it's like, yeah, and I think
1: yeah. we talked about this a bit earlier, right? right? And we wanted to kind of share, we'll have to maybe get together uh, I love like both, by way. the way. Okay, let, let yeah, it's this. true. Yeah, like there's uh, power. I I, uh, I I also use Power BI for a lot of stuff. As you know, I spend a lot of time, as do you, in uh, kind of the Microsoft 365 ecosystem, um, and there's a lot of crossover between uh, Azure as a day-to-day user with 365. Right, so it's one of those things, and I know you always uh, kind of. Uh try to educate me not to focus too much on those uh crossover areas, but it absolutely fascinates me yes i <laughs> I get drawn in absolutely. so um yeah you know as as you know uh Azure functions is really cool, and the fact now uh, has the flexibility to use uh python three point nine really awesome
0: yeah, it really it really is so moving now to a very awesome topic. I'm really excited about this. Confluence or Confluent Cloud uh, integration with Azure is now GA and this is a very nice topic because if you are familiar with Apache Kafka, okay? And and Apache Kafka is a way that you can have batch processing on real time event streaming. Basically Mm -hmm. to resume that in a few words, it's what we're talking about is having that one event streaming. And I was able to, to one of my clients be able to work with this and it's really powerful. Um, Confluent is being one of the key players of the Apache Kafka in this case, Mm -hmm. uh, building the clusters and everything else. But the cool about this is the Confluent Cloud, it's based on Azure. It's like the SAP Cloud, right? It's based on Azure. And now we are seeing the integration of what they built or their cloud that is hosted on Azure. Now it's available for everyone to use it. So provisioning the Confluence cloud, in this case, you can do it by Azure portal, Azure CLI, fully managed infrastructure. So you don't need to go on and the another cloud to just managing that you can provisioning to everything through the azure portal um, the single sign on authentication it's done through the azure clients and 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 using azure active directory and so on and so forth right
1: absolutely yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> sorry i got i, I got, was
1: got you on one of the points here so i was i, I was actually reading about the the SSO integration yeah I apologize, <laughs> i kind of staring at you there. But uh, yeah, so uh, one of the big uh, improvements with this is the uh, the single sign-on yeah. from Azure to Confluent Cloud. So it uh, gives you the ability to really leverage Azure AD identities, uh, which means it gives you uh, all of the roles and all of the things that you need to use proper RBAC. You can manage your users in your own environment and extend it in. So it is SSO, it's not SaaS integration. That's important. There's a bit of a difference there, right? Yeah. But uh, in this case, it's going to make it easy to provision people into that based on roles and uh, into Confluent Cloud, I should say. It is. So it's going to be really good. And the other part, uh, as you know, I have a bit of a excitement bone for um, billing problems and I don't want to say it, but cost management. (laughs) I got it out. So. So, you can get unified billing from uh, Confluent Cloud Service through your Azure subscription. Absolutely. So, because it's a separate uh, entity, right? Like you were saying. So, it's a Confluent Cloud, it's just built on top of Azure services, right? So, uh, you know, we're using what they're using, they're using uh, Azure, and uh, now that Confluent Cloud billing. Not only do you just get to log in, uh, I want to say seamlessly with uh, SSO, but you you also uh, can unify that billing in one spot. And that's really useful if you have a very good CSP agreement and uh, you're getting a bit of a good rate, right? So we all know it's not just a flat rate for billing in Azure. There's different tiers. there's pay as you go. You can have all very complex agreements or very simple agreements. Yeah. So uh I, I you know I'm a big fan of any agreement that's going to save the uh, operation expenses a little bit. So if you can get, you know, 1% off, then that adds up over a year when you're yeah, at scale, right? Absolutely. Big time. So uh it's always worth asking. Um uh, you know a really handsome smart fella once told me, uh how are you going to know Andrew if you don't ask? Exactly. Right?
0: <laughs> absolutely uh, yeah. You could not be more right in this case. <laughs> uh, but what I like about this is, with the update or with the announcement, right, comes a very nice blog post that that um, is on Azure blog uh, that is talking mm-hmm. about that seamless integration between both. Um, and and I highly recommend you going there um, to to just see it um, because it talks about the quick provision of the Confluence Cloud resources within Azure ecosystem, the way that integrates the experience between the both clouds, right? And how you can get started uh, with that. So the good thing about this integration is now it's available on the marketplace. Um, mm-hmm. So you don't need, in this case, again, to go outside of your environment, You, it's, it's another, Offering on on Azure that they have available, and that's and that's what I, I like about about these. Um, I was able to play, not play, to work with these, and it's really powerful. The way that the uh, Apache Kafka um, works, it's it's really a nice set of tools that we can have, right?
1: Yeah, it's very powerful, right? And you know, you you correct yourself a little bit and say instead of play, you were working with but uh you i think no, we both I did know play
0: it. I did play as well I was our, able to uh, to play our, with this our
1: listeners know us pretty well by this time I think yes <laughs> and we have a lot of fun with what we do and though it is sometimes work right um you know and we we definitely work hard uh we you know we don't record until like friday night and you know you see behind us it's pretty dark out here but yeah. <laughs> but that said uh we really love what we do Absolutely. and um though it is it is work um you know it's not uh, it's not awful it's not like uh grinding the axe or anything like that right it's it's something we love and uh, we have a passion and I just want to emphasize that uh, one of the reasons that we do actually get together every single week to make time to record is because we want to share that passion. And uh, hopefully, hopefully, somebody will benefit from it. So yeah. my, you know my theory, if one person benefits from something that we're doing, then uh, we win, right? Absolutely. So everybody wins when, when that happens. And I love that. Yeah, so, absolutely. you know, here's a reminder, subscribe, go Oops. leave a comment. And I surprised him, so he was slow. <laughs> Not <want it> again? <laughs> again. I love it. I'm so I'm so sorry. I know I'm distracting off oh, of man, the topics okay. here, but I, I just wanted to say that. It's so fun to be able to share with everybody and we really do appreciate yeah. it. We love it. Absolutely.
0: The next one of updates, it's um it's now the South Central US availability mm-hmm. zones in Zangi.
1: Yeah. So there's a big emphasis on better resiliency. Uh, yeah. This week, for, I for think it's the motor. This week, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: I think it's the theme of this week podcast is resilience. And we see a lot of those services regarding this. And this is another one. And, and again, this, this update, um, was, compi- was following one, another good, pod- another good blog post on Azure blog that mm-hmm. this case the general manager and the coo of the us cloud um produced the I john need and i apologize oh. if i murder your last name uh <laughs> uh yeah it's it's yeah. sometimes it's difficult for me the word is for... mispronounced yes <laughs> and and i really if you are listening, john uh, i i really apologize uh but the good thing is I read your blog post. It's really good information mm-hmm. inside, talking about awesome. all of this resilience, especially in South Central US. Is one of That's the right. one of the most busiest regions um, that they have that they add resilience. It talks. It talks it about is. good stuff about that.
1: Yeah. So one of the one of the things. So we talk about availability zones, and I just want to touch on that for a minute, if it's okay. Absolutely. Because. Um, you know, availability zones is within a region. So, you know, a, a region is built on multiple data centers and, you know, there's lots of top secret information, but, um, on YouTube, you can see, um, some, uh, Microsoft released videos. And I want to emphasize that Microsoft has released that publicly on YouTube. That's like very critical. I think, um, that. Uh, you know, they, they show the building of the data centers and the, they sometimes are many kilometers apart or, you know, even more, right? So I know it's all top secret, so I don't ask a bunch of questions because I don't want to know. <laughs> but but um, within that zone, if you have, uh, say, a localized power failure or uh, something happens like an evacuation or they have to shut things down in a data center, an availability zone protects you, it can help your systems fail over to a different data center in the same region. So you're still in South Central US, yes. you're just in a different physical data center, yeah. but you will have no idea and you never know what data center you're in or how many there are or any of that. It's very transparent yeah. with all of the services, right? It is. And we're starting to see
0: a kind of a bit of, 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 of shift in this case of the high availability within the region, because let's talk, for example, from VM side of it. At the beginning, when we a few months ago, we starting to to have we had two options for uh, for high availability on the VM. Okay, so we had the possibility of availability zone, right, and mm-hmm. the availability sets. That's right. So the availability set, and and I did create. I know that I'm going to do another shameless plug, uh, talking about I availability of virtual machines. So go to see that that video that I talk about that because I think it's important to 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 bring over here, especially to this update, because the availability set is the way that you can have your virtual machine, in this case, not being. Uh, on the same host so if you have for example a web a web browser or a web browser a web service I apologize if you have a web service uh, or if you have a form of web service you don't want all your web service to be hosted on the same uh, or, or to be placed on the same hosts right hence That's the, right. the so... domains in this case on the availability set you have the possibility of choose domains and fault domains and so on, so forth. But now, exactly. depending on your region, and that's that's the the important part that I want to bring over here, is depending on the region you have the availability zone. So the availability zone means that now you can choose where you want to place that VM, and if you choose a availability zone, okay, now that VM it's not replicated to a different one. So now it's, it's basically if that zone becomes unavailable by any means, by a power failure, like you said, you have the other zones that now has been replicated and starting that resilience from the other ones as well. So mm-hmm. even on, on, and the good thing about that, it's, it's not only disasters, it's for example, updates, because Microsoft do maintenance and we have to take sure. that in consideration as well so i just want to bring that over here that i i do i went way more detail about this because it's it's one of the things when i'm delivering workshops um there is a lot of confusion how i can do it if a i have ability on virtual machines for example um and this is one of the ways that you can do it although i just want to finish this, this this part saying that regarding these availability um zones is not available on every region. Okay,
1: that's correct. Yeah, it is. It's it's only in uh, selected regions. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're building a design, uh, architecting something, use the uh, the product and feature availability finder. I think is what they call the tool. Yeah. And then uh, you can go in and uh, search based on the product or service and find what regions that that is available in. Absolutely. So that's kind of part of how you support that well-architected framework and how you deliver something with good resilience and uh, that's well, well well-built really for your clients or customers or even your own organization. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so it's, it's very important to understand availability sets, availability zones, scale sets and how everything works together to build some redundancy. So I, I love how you said, like, think about Windows updates. It's as simple as a machine needs to come offline to do updates and reboot, uh, but your system requires 99.99% uptime. Yeah. So how do you accomplish that? Well, there's there's ways to do that.
0: And you have to remember that we even on that, we have SLAs and the SLA usually uh, allows to have a downtime, an unpredicted downtime, uh, through depending on SLA we're talking about, could be uh, a time frame during the year. Uh, in this case, that's what SLA, or during the month, depending on the SLA they're talking about. But it's it's really good to know. And and the next in this case update it goes again on the resilience. So now germany west central availability zones it's ga so we are not Mm -hmm. seeing only those big regions like the us but we are seeing those local regions as the country ones right um Mm -hmm. that they have availability zones as well they are growing again it goes exactly what i was talking about that not all the regions that we have have availability zones but we are starting to see this and, and and it's very good that now Microsoft allows in this case for our German uh, friends um yep. on
1: west central Germany west central to, yeah To a yeah. well, big demand yeah. right so we you know you and I talk about it offline but uh you know we've we've been hearing a lot of questions about uh, availability sets availability zones from uh you know regular companies right yeah. and they may not have access to the big resources in, say a private data center. Yeah. So an availability zone is really a really great reason to look at your your IaaS or PaaS options in Azure yeah. because it, the availability zones are kind of its own selling feature. Like it's available, it's up. You it get an SLA of 99.99% with an availability zone. And I don't know if that's valid in every like every region that it offers, but you know, check what it is, it is. in your region that you're going to use the product in. And uh, super awesome, right? Like I don't know, I'm very excited about all the availability coming out this week. Uh, it just really speaks to how uh, Azure has such an emphasis on good design and yeah. high availability for yeah. every single customer. Absolutely. And the thing about this is, <laughs>
0: for example, you may ask, but Germany—it's um, not—it's it, a big country in Europe, um, but why we have different regions? Uh, for example, if they can be close to each other, and that's that—that's uh, the point that I want to bring in this case to to this this conversation—is the re- the way that Microsoft uh, uh, creates the regions is if they are under a, a, a latency they became a availability zone within that region if they are outside mm. of that latency they become a new region that's why if probably if you are wondering why we only have regions that only have one availability zone is because of that but there are other regions yeah. that we have for example and that happens a lot in us specifically like you have like you have, for example, the U S East and you have U S East too. So let's say, but why do we have those two happen exactly the same on West, West and West, West too, because the data centers yeah. that you place, they are outside of that latency. So now becomes a region. And now you, the only option that you have is to create another region and that give us as, as the customers, the way that we can deploy because if our applications and our for example uh, uh clients and all the users that are using that application are out of the west, out of the east makes totally sense if i have for example my bcdr that i will not say what it is i have to ask you to do it because i will not uh Spell it or not, not.
1: The downtime prevention. Exactly. Letters. That's what.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Um, and allows them to just building like the PCDR of the solution very close, so the latency and the fastness of that response is going to be increased by using those. And 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 sometimes you have you can have up to six the centers on that basically that area on on the east on the west side of us for example right that's the part that i like about this and talking about slas moving on using your your that you are drinking your little bit of coffee uh <laughs> now this is a this i think is really important and i will let you do I'll, i will let you introduce because it's one of your favorite products
1: It really is. So, uh, 99.99% uptime for Azure Active Directory premium customers coming April 1st of this year. So, this is in development, right? And uh, as uh, Microsoft announced a little earlier, um, now coming for Azure AD is SLAs. So, here we go.
0: An Uh, increase of SLA, I have to say.
1: Yeah, yeah, premium yes, SLA.
0: Because you lost three nines and now we have four nines.
1: Yeah, it's kind of yeah, and what they're working on right now is they're gonna promise two nines, right, for uptime for Azure AD user authentication and licensed Azure AD premium customers. Uh it's an improvement over their original of just ninety-nine point nine percent. So we all remember, I think it was uh, November or December of this past year, they had uh, what we're gonna refer to as usual as a little hiccup. And uh, there was a minor outage. Now, when we say a minor outage, uh, it's not minor to those impacted in the outage, of course. So uh, though, uh, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of people, I think there was a lot of uh, European, Uh, uh, time zones impacted in this particular challenge. So uh, this is really, I think, coming out of that, and I think it goes to show how the Azure teams really take when they have a challenge like that, something happens that not only do they publicly dissect the problem and show, hey, listen, this is what happened, this is what went wrong, and this is what we're going to do next time to prevent this from happening but now look at how they go even further and start developing SLAs for the same product. Uh, blows my mind completely. the commitment to excellence uh, that's in here. We talk about data center, we talk about uh, you know IT excellence, yeah. right? We talk about those things now in the industry, but look at how they're just leading by example. Um, and I wanna say Microsoft Azure is leading by and example. And this Active
0: Directory here. is really important because this is your authentication this is where you dedicate for everything you you do, and I just want to bring that's one funny. thing: is oh, it's just one nine, okay? That we are adding. Oh my
1: but gosh! But ninety nine. Come on, that six hours is absolutely critical. if six you six Trying to close a business deal. I right? just
0: went. I just went on our friend, the best. Uh, uh, um, uh, the Bing. The Bing. Yes. Engine? Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that one. The Bing with the G um in this case <laughs> um our our um search engine um and for example 99 that's what we have right now 99.9 allow us to have uh, allow us now allows microsoft to have eight hours 45 minutes and 56 seconds of downtime okay uh of and again of unpredicted downtime through the year Okay. By adding one nine, it goes down by eight hours, 45 minutes and whatever seconds to 52 minutes and 35 seconds.
1: So you imagine under one hour, 52 minutes and some seconds is all they're allowed to have for service interruption. Right? Unpredictable. So, and this is the
0: part that I want to reinforce is it's it's unplanned. Okay, downtime. So it's it yeah. doesn't consider like say, hey, we are doing this change. We need well, to Yeah, and that's true. Okay, so, yeah.
1: So I think the number the number of times there's been service interruption with Azure ED that I can think of is I think three. And we're talking about across almost a decade, right? Yeah. So uh, it's not uh, a whole lot. Now that said, when it goes down, like you said, this is our identity services. And uh, this is where we have a lot of integrations now. And we have we have SSO incorporated to it. We have uh, different products coming in u- using things like uh, SAML authentication. So if you end up with like uh, a product uh, failure or downtime of some flavor, then people may not be able to log in and get things like email that's also integrated yeah. from 365 across AAD, right? Absolutely. So uh, it's it's very impactful when there's uh, outages. Now that said, um, you know I think uh, it, it's really important that we focus on how they come out of those things. And this is this commitment uh, of SLA is coming out on the tail end, albeit a couple of months later. Um, you know from a problem Absolutely. right so this is how they fix a problem yeah. let's make it way better and then let's make a promise that we're going to keep it way better yeah.
0: and they uh, reduce so tremendously I'm, like eight yeah. hours and 45 minutes to 52 minutes a year it's a huge right. improvement
1: so that's so let let's think about that for uh, just a moment right so uh we know that Azure Active Directory runs on top of Azure, so it actually runs on its own infrastructure within the Azure construct, right? And That means that they're using well-architected foundations. Framework. Sorry for the crossover there, but it it was not necessarily intended originally. (laughs) (laughs) But they're building uh, Azure AD very well. With redundancies, right? So they're using the same things that they're telling us we should also use, such as availability zones, scaling, availability sets, geographic redundancies. So they're building their own services uh, kind of based on these same frameworks. And they're able to make this 2.9 commitment. That's, a, that's really amazing yes. to me. I think it's absolutely awesome. It is. It is. It Super is, impressed.
0: Yeah. And, and, yeah. The next one it's it's really good. This update it's 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 feel it feels proud. The the, the previous one with ID, it just blows my mind because talking about four hundred million users monthly, right? And mm-hmm. the decrease of SLA it's big, but Azure Cognitive Service Translator uh in Inuquitiku
1: Inak. So this is our uh... Northern Canadian friends in Nunavut. They may speak in Inuit, yeah. which if I'm not mistaken is Inuktitut. Exactly. So now we and have I probably mispronounced it terribly. So,
0: but... and, and that's good because I always want to go to, 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 to in this case, to Nunavut. Um, and I want to see that part of Canada, the north part of Canada. And now I can basically grab my uh, Azure Connect Cognitive Service Translator and speak with them on their language. Or understand if they are kind of saying bad things about me saying, look at this at this Southern guy coming over here and he doesn't wear the good jacket because this is uh, freezing cold.
1: We're, we're both gonna get an offside for that one, my friend.
0: <laughs> and, and, and shows that that especially for us canadians this is pretty good and and uh, there is something between over here that that uh, this update doesn't mention but it's already 70 language in this translation. yeah
1: i i kind of saw that in the update and uh, i am mean, going to be honest i didn't actually read this one until uh you went live with it there <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> Because I saw I saw a services translator and I thought that's cool. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's not as easy to pronounce as I thought it might be. Yes, <laughs> that was fun. But uh, yeah, 70 languages, right? Like, that's amazing. It's impressive. And I know, um, you know, at uh, 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 Ignite and all these different events, you always see um, the translations yeah. in your own language setting. That's using the Azure Cognitive Services Translator, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you see that in the Teams meetings that are being broadcast exactly. from Microsoft events, they're using their own technology, yeah. right? They're 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 eating their own uh, their Dark own food. stuff there, and it's absolutely cool. So once again, leading by example. Exactly.
0: Right? Exactly. It is. Uh, the next one is resource instance rules for access to store Azure Storage is now in public preview. Right? So, what is yeah, that? what does absolutely.
1: that mean? What do, uh, well it, it means I'm I'm getting hungry actually, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be I know ask that me. I know that
0: we are at the end of the podcast. We have a few left, but in this case is some we some resources have a one-track mind Um some of those resources uh, cannot be isolated uh, in this case on, on on virtual networks, or in this case, IP address rules, uh, but you want to restrict in this case, the access to your storage account or uh, to only all your applications that you want. So it's right. basically so you restrict restricting it. your uh, Azure storage um, uh-huh. on the access that they should do it to whatever you want to do it, in this case, a little bit more.
1: Yeah, and it's important to note um, that the resource you're restricting this to, uh, though it's in preview, uh, must be in the same tenant as your storage account. And that's really important for uh, customers that use multiple tenants to separate their resources. Uh, This uh, restrictive, uh, like this security improvement, really, Uh, needs to uh, be within the same tenant
0: good point uh uh, uh, i was almost missing that part Uh, but but i'm glad that you bring it up uh to that moving moving to the next one is one of your favorites uh we it's been a while that we are not talking about this
1: yeah, it's been, I think, uh, two or three podcasts. Um, I felt like maybe we were all forgotten about over here <laughs> in cost management. Land, but, but, you know, then I get surprised as usual. And here they've released uh, already their January 2021 uh, kind of monthly update, yeah. right? So uh, there's a whole bunch of sub items in this one. Uh, and it's important to note, um, they're actually releasing this January update right at the end of January. So it's still in a January calendar yeah. month. And um, that means that things are turning over very quickly and February is going to be very busy. So <laughs>
0: Yes, yes, we are assuming that. But yeah, a lot of updates on the cost management and billing um, for January and the way that you can do it. There is new views uh, for the resource groups Uh, there is the cost management labs that is new in this case. Uh, um, there is some defined role responsibilities. There is a lot of good things about this, uh, uh, about these updates. And there is, and one of the, one of the last updates of this podcast is one of the coolest, uh, I think we didn't leave this, um, by on purpose. It's the release. We are following the release. Okay. And this was the last release that Microsoft announced this week. Um, or in this case, when you listen and seeing this podcast last week, uh, it was the last. Re- <laughs> <laughs> it's, ca- it's, it's kind true. of confusing, us, right? It was yesterday.
1: We, for everybody else listening and and viewing, it's going to be a few days ago <laughs> or. Last week. <laughs> or depending if you sing this down on the road, it could be a few years ago. Oh we're getting into we're getting deep into a logic loop yes, here. I can I can, can see I can feel it happening. <laughs> but this one is automate <laughs> application
0: lifecycle management with GitHub actions. So pretty cool,
1: right? Sounds like a G.I. Joe figure. I mean to be honest. <laughs> now with improved chopping action. <laughs> It is completely. I, I kid, but you know, uh, you've been using actually, you've been taking advantage of a lot of GitHub uh, services yeah. lately, and uh, you've been working very closely with some projects on Kubernetes and uh, you're taking advantage of uh, repositories on GitHub. And the whole lifecycle management is, uh, you know, first of all, uh, anything with like software lifecycle management is really cool. Yeah. Um, that's one of the foundations I learned on the SDLC. and uh, I think that uh, you know this is something that applies to a lot of people out there. This isn't just about developers using code from GitHub, right? So the whole DevOps movement has kind of gone in this really cool direction where it's just IT, yeah, right. So we're all using a lot of kind of dynamic deployment tools, mm-hmm. and uh, it doesn't mean we have to get code heavy. There, in fact, I think in this uh, this release, they talk right in the middle of the screen there about what is low-code application, application development, development on yeah. Azure, right? So they want us, and I say they, uh, the, the industry in general wants to have the ability to take advantage of dynamic services that are Cloud-based Cloud-native services like GitHub and Kubernetes, and we want to be able to have regular people come in and use those right so we can't have uh you know restrictive uh barriers in place that means we have to learn languages and know like tons and tons of very specific information to write code um you know as you know i used to i used to do a lot of programming uh i'm going to say back in the day (laughs) and uh, I think that this is just fantastic like I love watching and I know uh, there's a lot of younger people um, even uh, you know just starting high school or pre-high school that are getting into this and they're really coming through and there you know there's a lot of STEM programs there's a lot of um, like women in code programs that are trying to draw in these areas that traditionally have been kind of at the edge. Right. Absolutely. And I think it's really starting to it show is. like the benefits of all of this balance is starting to finally be visible for everybody because look at how good these services are getting.
0: It right? is. And, and it's not only that, it's like like you mentioned as well on this podcast is the, the cross platform. In this case, they are yeah. leveraging Uh, all of this uh, to help developing with low code applications, leveraging the power platform, particularly in this case, the power apps that we already mentioned here as well, curiosity, right? right? Um, And the thing is, you don't need to be a a fully developer to just going on power apps. It's really simple to just go there. If you have the logic and and you have the low code, That's where you gain most of it because you can customize it. Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. And that's what we're kind of talking about, right? Is especially in power apps, it's a lot of kind of drag and drop. It's objects, um, like visual objects, I should say, right? So uh, you can see what that object does. You drag it over, you reorder them, you can add customizations to it. But it's not the same as writing a program or writing code, but your outcome is the same as writing code, which is freaking awesome. It's really cool.
0: And inside of this this release of this uh, blog post, there is a tons of uh, links to support documents that you can use. Uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Even on Azure, in this case, the the low code application development on Azure websites, for example, or even Mm -hmm. on APIs, or even on GitHub, or even on labs that you want to do with the hands-on labs, on source control and all of that, there is a ton. I highly recommend you to go uh, and see this this blog, because a uh, blog post on Azure blog, because it's really, really good what they are doing. Uh, and again, uh, uh, this Ricardo Duncan, uh, that is the product marketing manager, did the awesome job uh, writing this blog post because it really, explains how they are improving on this. Uh, It's not an update. It's not, uh, 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 regarding Azure, but it's, I think it's a honorable mention, how you can do this, right? It is. Yeah. And
1: it is a really great one to close out, uh, kind of our, our little podcast on, right? Because, uh, all of those links that he included, uh, at the bottom of his article, really take you to where you can uh really grow your knowledge and not just through reading but hands on, right? Like all those labs uh that are linked to really great, really great really, really, really great labs and materials. Oh, I'm so, so go. glad that I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a couple struggles with some big fancy words like uh really. That's okay. <laughs> we, are,
0: we we are just finishing our podcast and I think it's a good way to finish in this case, to say thank you and and uh, bear with us. We've been a very heavy week uh, of work. It's been awesome to be able to do so much thing on Azure. And I'm really happy. It's time to really finish our week uh, in this case with this podcast to thank you once again. I'm going to use my favorite button again, so get ready. One, two, three, okay, and here we go. Here we go. Subscribe. Subscribe, help us out to just um, spread this content. Uh, again, if you like it, give a thumbs up. Uh, if you want to leave a comment, or if you don't leave a comment, I de- I leave that up to you, um, but uh, help us out. Yeah, we love hearing from everybody.
1: Exactly. So, you know, um, you know, feel free, right? Like just drop a note, um, check out Azure Centric on Twitter as well, right? And, uh, you know, there's lots of ways to uh, provide a bit of feedback. But generally, I just
0: follow us you. on Twitter. We really- My Twitter is MD, MD Nogger, uh Twitter of the Andrew is
1: uh, Azure tracks Azure tracks. Okay,
0: so yeah. just follow the Twitter or just follow our you will you will find uh, on this on the description of the podcast uh, below all the all the links to social media uh if you don't want to leave a comment just just find us on on your best way so i have to say thank you andrew once more time and
1: uh oh thank you so much for having me i just love this opportunity that's okay
0: and see you next week (laughs)